0: The Husky 45-yard line, 10 to nothing. Northern Illinois, the second quarter just underway. And this pass, it's picked away by Northern. Intercepted. That's Dolphin with it. Dolphin to the far side. They're not going to catch him. Dolphin is into the end zone. He has got the defensive touchdown for N.I.U.
1: Neither lightning nor injuries derailed the Huskies in their 27-20 victory over the Eastern Michigan Eagles last Saturday. After a near three-hour lightning delay and losing their starting quarterback Harrison Whaley, the Huskies rallied behind the debuting freshman back Antario Brown and that pick six to pick up their first MAC victory of the season and cap off a wild homecoming weekend. NIU will travel to Ohio this week to face a fellow 3-and-2 team, the University of Toledo Rockets at 11 a.m. Saturday on CBS Sports Network. Hi there and welcome to the Red Black Football Podcast. I'm your host, James Krause, the sports editor of the Northern Star. Today I'll be talking to redshirt freshman tight end Tristan Tavis and Toledo Blade reporter Kyle Rowland about what to expect for a huge conference matchup for both teams, and these are two teams who respectively are 19th and 20th in the nation and 1-2 and in the conference in win percentage since the year 2010. It may have been one game, but it was not only a homecoming game that made this game on Saturday so important for the Huskies. It was the meaning of putting 2020 in the rearview mirror. The Huskies went 0-6, all against MAC opponents last season, and their year finished off with a heartbreaking loss to EMU, with a penalty that derailed a final, potential game-tying drive. This year, they start their max schedule with the Eagles at home, and this time, they came out with a bang. Defense played a big role in this game early with three sacks in the first quarter. This sack by Lance DeVoe forced a fumble recovery by the Huskies.
0: Reaction of the fake once again. Bryant now trying to get away from one. Has the ball punched out. It's loose. It is on the ground inside the 35. Huskies will have it
1: in Eastern Michigan territory. The call from WLBK of Ray Thomas for covering the fumble, his second recovery of the season, his first coming against Wyoming. That led to this touchdown, the first of the day for the Huskies by Rocky Lombardi.
0: Lombardi. Lombardi's going to keep it, Lombardi left side, Lombardi rocking into the end zone, and the NIU touchdown, 6 nothing Huskies.
1: The Huskies led 10-0 after the first quarter, but all their momentum came to a screeching halt thanks to Mother Nature. Lightning in the area forced the game to be stopped for two hours and 45 minutes, with rain soaking the turf and stands at Husky Stadium. After the delay and in front of a thinned out crowd, the Huskies' defense came up big again with a Jaden Dolphin interception return, 59 yards for a touchdown. Then, NIU was given another hurdle to come. An injury to Harrison Whaley took him out of the game and forced freshman Ontario Brown into his first action as a college football player and with NIU. How did he fare? Well, he had 101 rushing yards and made a proud coach out of Thomas Hammond. Uh,
0: you know, he's special to me. Uh, I really mean that. Uh, in- he knows it, uh, you know. I was the first coach to get a, get a hold of him in the recruiting process, and I stayed on him uh, even before Coach Nick was hired, and uh, we had we, we built a bond and a relationship uh, over that time over COVID, and you know, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. It was crazy, and uh, but just a, a heck of a kid. Uh, been through a lot, of adversity, and and you know what? Um, he walked by my office a couple weeks ago and just said. I'm happy to be here, and that just that just touched me, I mean, it really touched me. And so, he's going to be a heck of a player for us, uh, he will get better, there's some things he want to do better, um, but what a start, um, what a start.
1: A 13-yard run by Brown set up the final Huskies touchdown of the evening, this run by Clint Rakovich
0: the line of scrimmage, here's Rakovic. He does go right behind Brett Bostad. Lines up at the end zone, and yes, he does. Just powers his way. Off the right side, does clip Rakovic. Six more on the board for NIU IU, and a 23-10
1: lead over Eastern Michigan. With the touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, Hammock rode Rakovic and Brown on the final drive to a seven-minute time-consuming field goal that made it a two-score game late. After an EMU field goal with less than two minutes left, the Huskies gathered an onside kick attempt and burned the remaining clock to get conference win number one of 2021. The running game for the Huskies is unstoppable right now. It's the best it's been since he joined the program, and NIU is off to their best start since Hammock joined the program. 3-2, their first winning record after five games since 2017. They also have the most rushing yards by any team, Uh, The Huskies have had to start a year since 2016, and they have 12 touchdowns to their name so far, and five now 100-yard games from individual runners, including Ontario Brown. He was highly recruited out of Savannah, Georgia, probably one of the highest-rated recruits NIU has ever had. Uh, And as Thomas Hammock kind of mentioned, maybe there you heard in that press conference, Brown had a lot of maturing to do early on in his tenure at NIU, a true freshman, you know, with a lot of pressure on him, he came in and uh, sort of had to figure himself out and figure out how to adapt to the program, and it wasn't always easy. I know during the offseason he missed some practices, uh, either due to injury or otherwise, and Hammock talked about wanting to get Brown into games earlier, but he wanted to get that maturity level up for Brown, and uh, it certainly came through in his performance, a lot of speed, Uh, almost looked like, you know, they just stuck in another Harrison Whaley back there uh, to replace him. A lot of depth at the running back position, Uh, and we'll talk about depth in just a second, but more on Brown. He said after the game he was nervous entering that game, but his teammates were able to keep him calm. He he came off as very nervous in the post-game press conference as well, Uh, but he's going to be a massive piece probably moving forward, not just this year and not just in this game, but In the future, I can imagine him and Harrison Whaley are going to be an unstoppable force in the conference in terms of the NIU running game. The defense also showed out. Uh, Really, their first big, big performance of the season came in this one. Six sacks, three big forced turnovers. The defensive player of the week in the Mid-American Conference was our guest last week, Dylan Thomas, uh, with two sacks, and he was among the leaders in tackles. Another big player for this defense, Miles McGee, in his first game this season, his first appearance that he was able to be suited up after an injury during preseason camp, he made a critical pass breakup on fourth down that led to NIU eventually uh, having that lengthy drive that burned 6 minutes and 50 seconds, I want to believe, of clock. We mentioned the three sacks in the first quarter. They executed on their game plan perfectly. Uh, talked about it with Thomas last week and it was brought up at the press conference. They wanted to really put the pressure on Ben Bryant, not let him get too comfortable and let him uh, really find his men down the field. Later in the game, there was a bit of a lapse in the pass rush and we kind of saw what this game could have been for Ben Bryant. He had two long 40-yard passes that set up a touchdown the to close the gap for EMU. That lengthy drive near the end, it looked like they might have done the same thing, gone down, quickly scored that touchdown, and be able to set up for only needing a field goal to force overtime, but the defense has shown they've been able to bend, not break, uh, very often this year, and it'll be interesting to see how that uh, defense is going to fare against a team that, as we talk about with Kyle Rowland later, has struggled, actually, offensively uh, this season. The big news, however... During the week for NIU, and especially coming after this game, are the injuries. We mentioned Harrison Whaley. He left the game with an arm injury, and his status is unknown to uh, currently, was not confirmed uh, nor denied by Hammock during his press conference this week that Whaley would be available. Uh, Hammock is someone who doesn't like to talk about the injuries, uh, be it gamesmanship or otherwise. So no word currently... On Whaley's availability for this game. However, some sources have told me and others uh, that his injury could potentially have him out for several weeks, including potentially the entire season. Two other injuries of note uh, from actually before this past weekend Cole Tucker, Miles Joyner both were not dressed last week. Miles Joyner wasn't dressed for a few weeks and aren't on the depth chart this week. It says that the punt returner this week for NIU will be Tyrese Ritchie, as it was last week. Two players who also left the game for NIU last week. Devontae O'Malley, after a sack, left the game with an arm injury. He's currently listed as being the starter or Michael Kennedy, so I guess you would label him as questionable for this game on Saturday. Will Rogers was carted off the field Saturday with a leg injury, although he is listed this week on the depth chart. So maybe his availability uh, is better than we would expect from how he left that game. We talked about this man, Tristan Tavis. Uh, He has shown out big in place of Miles Joyner. We talk about uh, what Joyner is still providing to that group uh, despite not being on the field. And we talk about getting ready for a Toledo game, a, a game that has really amped up and provided a lot of energy for these Huskies in their week of preparation. We'll talk about that all next on the Red Black Football podcast. Joining me now on the podcast is tight end Tristan Tavis. Yeah, Tavis. Tavis. Yes, Tavis. Tavis. We were talking about it right before. It's weird cuz the spelling of it. Yeah. I want to yeah. say twos mm-hmm. when yeah. I when I read it out. Yeah. Um so first off, just about the EMU game. Mm-hmm. Talked to coach about it after the game. Talked about it a little bit during the press conference. That delay, mm-hmm. uh, it was even more extended for you guys because you came out. The defense uh, was on the field. They mm-hmm. got a pick six, and yeah. then the offense had to come out for another drive for EMU. What was that mm-hmm. delay like for uh, you guys on offense?
2: Uh, it was it was tough, but I think um, we had a mature uh, kind of look about it. So we have just built a mature kind of room. Uh, on the offensive side and defensive side. Um, so I think we were just were able to stay locked in uh, no matter what the cause was.
1: How have the coaches kind of instilled that maturity so fast? Because it was something you talked about for Ontario Brown, how mm-hmm. a true freshman comes on campus and he's already yeah. matured so quickly. Yeah. How have the coaches kind of instilled that on a really young roster?
2: Um, I think it starts with uh, Coach Hammock's preach in the classroom. So just being able to... Start off trusting kids to be able to go to class, get their homework done, um, and then kind of build off that. That's kind of built that um, maturity in everybody, so you can you get your job done in the classroom. You can get your job done on the field.
1: Coach kind of talked about it, and, and it was brought up a few times in the press conference. Uh, the injuries have kind of piled up for you mm-hmm. guys, and you guys have had Miles Joiner, who showed up big in the first game, but has mm-hmm. his availability has been. Uh, Mm -hmm. hot and cold side of the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. When a guy's injured like that, I talked about this earlier in the year with Lance DeVoe when Kyle Pugh went out for the year. Yeah. How are those guys still adding to the team and adding to your guys' group uh, as the season progresses even if they're not available to play?
2: Yes. They just kind of, they show up the same time we do. Um, They're not taking any time off. Uh, They show up, they still get their work done uh, whether that be kind of giving us pointers on the field or they're in the training room just getting better so they can come and come back and contribute.
1: Uh, When Coach Hammock first got here he kind of totally revamped how NIU fans and and people who watch this team view Mm -hmm. the uh, tight end position because we had two tight ends I think that were leading the team in receptions this year. Have you seen that sort of evolve now Uh, and where is the role of the tight ends at now in year three under Hammock?
2: Um, I'd say we are, we are big in the run game. Um, he loves to use us in the run game to get things moving, um, get us on D ends, uh, get knocked back, um, change the line of scrimmage. Um, but we have guys in the room um, that can go out and catch a pass. Um, we're, we just kind of, we're the kind of group that does whatever they need us to do, you know?
1: Let's talk about the Toledo game. First off, mm-hmm. uh, CJ kind of talked about this, or maybe it was you even, talking about how this. there's been a lot of energy in practice this mm-hmm. week early, Yeah. and part of that is due to this being a rivalry game. Do you perceive this being a rivalry game for you guys, considering how strong these two teams have been over, over the past mm-hmm. few seasons?
2: Yeah, so I, I think this is a rivalry game for us. Um, they might not view it as that, and I think that just brings more, kind of fuels our fire a little more. Um, if they, don't, if they don't think that we're a good enough opponent to be a rival, then I think that just brings us more energy, more confidence to come out and do what we do best.
1: Talking about their defense, they have all MAC level players at every level of that defense. What's going to be the key for you guys offensively uh, to try and break those groups down?
2: Um, I'd say just um, moving the ball. Uh, moving the ball in the run game um, is kind of a thing that we just always want to do every game. If we can get the ball moving, I think we have a good enough chance to win any game that we want.
1: Tight on Tristan Tavis. Thanks again. Appreciate Thank you. it. You're listening to the Red Black Football Podcast sponsored by Pitsley Realty. Visit pitsleyrealty.com. That was Tristan Tavis talking about preparing for the Toledo game and a Rockets defense that currently boasts the best scoring margin in the Mid-American Conference, allowing only 16.6 points per game. The Rockets, typically an offensive powerhouse under Jason Candle, went on an 11-quarter streak without giving up a touchdown to opposing offenses. However, even with that impressive defense, there's still some things that leave people scratching their heads when it comes to Toledo and their chances in the MAC. Among those people are our next guest, Kyle Rowland, who covers... The Toledo football team, among other things, for the Toledo Blade. He joins us now on the Red Black Football Podcast. Joining me now on the show is Kyle Rowland. He is a college sports reporter at the Toledo Blade. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Rowland on Twitter, and you can find his work at the ToledoBlade.com website. Kyle, thanks so much for... uh, Uh, coming on the show and talking about this game this weekend.
3: For sure. Happy to do it.
1: The Rockets uh, shared the same schedule as NIU through five games, three and two. Uh, But it's been kind of hard to gauge this team from afar. Uh, They tested Notre Dame at South Bend, uh, but they weren't able to get into the end zone against Colorado State. And then they went and they defeated the defending conference champions in, in Ball State through five games. What's the biggest question mark? Uh, that you still have about this team moving forward,
3: definitely offensively. Um, I think defensively they've established themselves as a definitely elite in in the MAC um, and and getting to the point where even nationally they're pretty acclaimed. Um, but offensively, I mean they've got this two quarterback system that's still kind of weird. Um, the offensive line is is definitely the the biggest red flag. I think, uh, you know, rushing the ball, it should be better than what it has been. And they just haven't been able to get kind of the vertical big plays that Toledo teams in years past have been able to get. So. Um, you know, through five games, I think uh, the offense is still the biggest question mark, which is abnormal for Toledo. I mean, usually, I mean, the defense has been just a disaster, uh, in recent years, and it's or the, the script has definitely flipped. Yeah.
1: It's, it seems like in years past, these games with NIU and Toledo are shootouts that may not be the case this coming weekend. You mentioned the quarterback rotation, sort of similar look to what NIU has done in the past, where they've had, you know, obviously a main quarterback that they have in Carter Bradley, who's going to facilitate the pass game. And then you bring in a dual threat option that they have uh, in Daquan Finn. What about it has worked to this point? And what about it hasn't worked in your mind?
3: I mean, I guess it's worked. I don't know. I mean, it like Notre Dame, I mean, that game is is probably going to be a loss, you know, every time they play. So, but I mean, the Colorado State game was the big glaring uh, weakness, I think so far for, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think it's hard for either guy to get into a rhythm. Even Finn, as you mentioned, I mean, he's more of a runner, but he can still throw the ball. He's improved tremendously compared to previous seasons throwing the ball. And he was eight of 10 last weekend at UMass. Um, I just, I don't know. I I just feel like you kind of have to pick a guy and go with them. I mean, they're both fine. and, And I mean, Carter hasn't been horrible by any means. And he was a high recruit. And by all means, I mean, he's, he's got the tools to be really good. He just really hasn't taken that leap this season. Like most people thought. And with Finn, I mean, you have a guy who's got that added weapon in running um, and he's not a horrible passer either. So to me, he just, the offense runs better when Finn is in the game. So I don't know. I think that there's some squandered possessions by Toledo just because um Carter Bradley maybe gets too many possessions. I mean, eventually, I'm sure he's going to kind of put things together. Um, the wide receiver core Toledo is pretty deep. Um, and it's just – it's been surprising that they just haven't been able to get things to click so far.
1: You mentioned the offensive line earlier. That's going to be a huge factor, especially when they have a running back uh, like Brian Kobach, who's been a hot or cold sort of player throughout his career. But against NIU, he's especially struggled. His best game uh, was against a really young defense last year, and even then, uh, because they primarily went with a pass game, they only he only had 65 yards. If the offensive line can't protect the quarterback, do you see them going to Kovac more and and seeing if he can have a breakthrough game, and what does he have to do to have a breakthrough game against NIU?
3: Yeah, I mean, they, they established the run a little more last week. Uh, granted, I mean, UMass, obviously, I mean, they've lost 16 straight games, and they're probably the worst team in the country. But... I still think like taking care of business matters in sports. Um, you gain confidence from it. It I don't know. It, it can just – it helps a team out. They used kind of multiple fronts. They rotated guys. I don't know if they're going to do that again this week. They they found success with it last week. Um, and they also had a ton of different running backs carry the ball last week. Um, you had Micah Kelly, Kobach's backup was in there a lot. Jacquez Stewart is an H-back. Uh, he's had a decent amount of success these last few weeks, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was a big part of the game plan on Saturday. I mean, Toledo for sure has to establish the run and and get something going offensively Saturday. I think that NIU's defense, I mean, they they've struggled some against the run. Some of it's a little lopsided, though, just because Michigan had such a, a huge game against them. So that kind of skews the statistics, I think. I don't know. I, I think it's set up for Toledo's offense to maybe get things a little bit going in the right direction, just based on things that uh, Northern Illinois has struggled with. Um, But I don't know. I I think it, as you mentioned before, like this game has been shootouts in the past. I a hundred percent do not anticipate that on Saturday.
1: We talked about taking care of business. Those other two wins outside of ball state. Uh, Like you mentioned, they beat UMass 45 to seven. They beat their season opener opponent Norfolk state. 49 to 10 Uh, and the defense has really been the strong point of this team like you mentioned they have a ton of talent across the board all Mac players on the D line and Jamal Hines and uh, Deswan Johnson linebacker all Mac junior Deontay Johnson and two great safeties in uh, Tyson Anderson and Nate Bauer in terms of where this defense is the strongest so far this season where do you think it is?
3: Yeah, I mean, everywhere, I guess. Uh, but but I mean, it really, though, I mean, the D line, the front seven, I mean, it's just been w- when you control the line of scrimmage there uh, every game. I mean, it just it means a lot. Um, they had an 11 quarter uh, touchdown streak um, that got broken Saturday at UMass in the fourth quarter, and it was actually against the backups. So I, technically, I guess the starters still have that streak going. It goes all the way back to the Notre Dame game. Um, I mean, they, they're just—they're really, really solid. Uh, a lot of talent there. They—they they get after it. I mean, I think they rank 15th nationally in tackles for loss. The, the secondary is really solid, so teams aren't really throwing well against them. Um, I, I think that that's the—I I have a preview coming out uh, either Friday or Saturday about the matchup of the game and I think it's Toledo's D line versus Northern's offensive line. I mean that's I mean Northern's got runs the ball so well. Uh they have a really really good running back and if he plays pretty well and gets 100 and, you know, 20, 150 yards, I think Northern's got a great chance to win. And if Toledo shuts him down, then I think Toledo will probably win. Um so that definitely I think is is the big story of this game.
1: The leader in tackles for a loss for that team, a guy I didn't even get uh, mentioned, Terrence Taylor, the junior defensive, and uh, he has, I believe it's six, or, or yes, six tackles so far this year. Kickoff is scheduled for 11 a.m. Uh, the favorite in this game is Toledo by around 12 points at the opening line. Uh, the over-under is at around 54, 55, depending on where you look. Uh, when you take a look at this game, Kyle, uh, what do you see as the key factors? Maybe something we haven't mentioned yet.
3: I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, a sneaky thing. I mean, if you always kind of want to look at special teams, especially in a in a game that seems fairly evenly matched. I know the line is is close to two touchdowns, but I don't know. I I I, w- I, I think Toledo will probably win. I don't know if they'll cover, um, but punt return I think could be a big thing, especially. Um, Northern at times has struggled um, covering punts and Toledo is pretty good at returning them. Uh, So I don't know, perhaps that's a big thing. Both teams kickers are excellent. Um, Northern's perfect this year in field goals. Uh, Toledo's eight of 10. Um, So who knows? I mean, if it comes down to a kick, I I would assume both teams would be pretty confident there. Um, I I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, the way Toledo's passing game is, I mean, they they haven't thrown many interceptions this year, but you know, maybe this is a game where Northern secondary can kind of create some chaos and, and make things happen. Um, but mostly I think it's going to be kind of decided in the areas that we've already talked about.
1: Again, you can check out his stuff at Toledoblade.com and on Twitter at Kyle Roland. Kyle, thanks so much uh, for helping us break down this game on Saturday.
3: Absolutely. Thanks a lot.
1: That was Kyle Rowland, who talked about the two-quarterback offense of the Rockets uh, that Hammock also addressed in his weekly press conference, saying that, in a way, NIU also had to prepare for a two-quarterback offense for EMU when they had two really good players who have tons of experience in Ben Bryant and Preston Hutchinson. Uh, On Toledo, he said, quote, I think our players have a really good understanding of what each quarterback brings to the table. We have to be all hands on deck when the ball is snapped to see that we keep them contained as much as possible. Bradley has seen the most playing time of the two, throwing for 912 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. However, Finn is the slightly more accurate one, be it on far fewer passes, plus he has four rushing touchdowns on the season. We'll see how effective it is against a defense that really showed up last week against EMU, We'll talk about that, wrap the show up, but first, here's the three and out. First, after receiving some votes from the AP Top 25 poll, Western Michigan will test themselves against the team that kept them out of the Mid-American Conference title game last season. The Broncos host Ball State Saturday at 2.30 p.m. on ESPNU. Also on ESPNU, Kent State faces Buffalo at 6 hoping to redeem themselves from Jared Patterson's record-breaking performance against them last season. Second, a battle of playoff hopefuls goes down in Iowa City Saturday afternoon, as the number four Penn State Nittany Lions visit the number three Iowa Hawkeyes at 3 p.m. on Fox to see who is supreme in the Big Ten. At 2.30 p.m. on CBS, number two Georgia hopes to capture their third-ranked win of the season when they visit the number 18 Auburn Tigers. (laughs) And finally, the Virginia Tech Hokies offensive linemen have made the NIL deal of all deals. Mission's Barbecue in Virginia has agreed to pay the offensive linemen for social media engagement in exchange for free all-you-can-eat weekly dinners at their restaurants. Mission chains also have deals with other linemen from schools, including the team the Hokies hope to cook up this weekend, The number 14, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Speaking of food, there's an important group we haven't talked about yet on the program that made a heck of a difference on Saturday. NIU Dining Services. During the long delay, Dining Services was able to provide the Huskies players with sandwiches to keep them fueled up over the course of what proved to be about six hours of game time. That was after a breakfast that coach said was around 10 o'clock, so really... Uh, needed to keep themselves fueled up and ready uh, for when they resume play. An unsung hero of not just the football team, but probably any student on campus at NIU. Unsung heroes got their due against EMU. Guys like Brown and Dolphin coming from the compete team and getting big moments. Who will we be talking about this time next week after the Rockets host the Huskies? You'll have to tune in to find out. We'll see you here next week on the Red Black Football Podcast.